Welcome to the Happy Sober Podcast, helping people get back in control of their life, happiness, peace, and purpose, and all without a drop of alcohol. For more information and to book your place on our next free quit drinking webinar, visit www.stopdrinkingexpert.com. And now, here's your host, Craig Beck. Hi, how you doing? This is Craig Beck from StopDrinkingExpert.com and welcome into episode three of the Happy Sober Podcast. We're really churning them out at the moment. Uh, They probably won't be this frequent once we get into a routine, get into a pattern, Um, but I'm just kind of finding my feet with this and trying to deal with the emails as they come in rather than let them build up. So before we go any further, uh, please do like and share this podcast and spread the word. Let's see if we can get this message out there. And if you are interested in taking your free place at my next Quit Drinking webinar, go to www.stopdrinkingexpert.com and book your place right now. So in today's Happy Sober podcast, I want to deal with a couple of things. have an email here from Simon that simply says, help. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, also, I want to talk in a little bit more detail about why willpower doesn't work against alcohol addiction, which is unfortunate because pretty much 99.9% of our ways of dealing with problem drinking involves a, an element of willpower. So 99.9% of our approaches to this problem uh, have pretty much no chance of succeeding. So let's talk about that and to a bit more detail later on in the podcast. So before we go any further, let's deal with this email from Simon. Now, Simon says, Hi, Craig. I'm not sure how to word what's going on with me at the moment, but it seems like a lot of people in your group have families and are settled with a partner. So they're a little bit older than me. I'm 34 and with a lot more to lose, i.e. these people with their families have a lot more to lose. Can you make a video or podcast that might help us younger singles get over the social hump? It just seems like as soon as you take alcohol out of the picture, the social game is completely changed, not only with friends and family, but with meeting new people at bars. This might sound crude, but it's much easier to talk to American women if I've had a few beers and I just feel completely abnormal about the thought of being alcohol free over here. Okay, thank you very much, Simon. Uh, no, it doesn't sound crude because, uh, you know, I think it's quite common. Because certainly the, it is the case for British people uh, and to um, for Americans and other Europeans to a certain extent, Western world guys, to be a little bit socially awkward. Not just guys, women as well. It's just kind of our makeup, especially British people. We're just a little bit socially awkward. Um, and we go to parties and the, the concept of, you know, making small talk, small talk with strangers, people that we've never met before, is terrifying to us. So I get where you're coming from. But you see, the thing is, alcohol covers up a lot of our problems. And that's why we, we get into this routine of using it. So if you kind of step back from this situation and look at what's really going on, and dissect it a little bit, we can change the focus. We can reframe this situation, as they would say in NLP. 
Because at the moment you're saying, okay, here's a situation that I want to be involved with. I want to talk to women. I want to meet people. I want to make friends. But I'm too shy uh, and I'm too socially awkward to do it. And I've been using alcohol as a tool to help me do that. And now I feel if I'm trying to quit drinking that I've lost this tool. I've lost this magic bullet that helps me with the situation. Uh, And in reality, of course, it doesn't really fix your situation, does it? It just kind of masks it. The problem here is not that you've lost alcohol. The problem here is that you have low self-esteem, low confidence in social settings. Now, wouldn't it be better to fix that than to use alcohol to kind of make it appear like it's gone away? Imagine if you didn't eat alcohol. Imagine if you could walk up to any woman that you're attracted to and start talking to her without needing to be drunk to do it. Imagine if you could start a conversation with someone, a stranger in a bar, male or female, and you didn't need this mild anesthetic in your brain to enable you to do it. Isn't that the utopia? Isn't that what you should be aiming for? I think so. And to get to that point requires you to step outside your comfort zone. But Simon, we've talked before, and I know we've done a one-to-one session, and I know that you're a super intelligent, high-achieving guy. So you have done things in your life that were difficult. You must have done. Otherwise, you wouldn't be as successful as you are today. You wouldn't be traveling around the world with this problem. So you know that growth, personal growth, happens when you're outside of your comfort zone. And going back to that, that fail-safe of alcohol as your confidence booster is not living outside your comfort zone. It, it's, it's staying trapped within the walls of it. And I get it because, look, inside your comfort zone, it's beautiful. It's warm and it's cozy and safe, but it's sterile. Nothing ever grows in your comfort zone. It can't. And so, rather than seeing this as a problem that has to be fixed, I would see this as a window of opportunity. What is being highlighted to you at the moment, now that you've quit drinking, is that your confidence in social situations is not where it should be or where you want it to be. And so, rather than kind of daydream about the days of when you could have had alcohol to help you out, I would be, personally, I would be focusing on this limited area of your life to make it stronger. And you might be thinking, well, how do I make it stronger? And the answer is always, this is always the answer. It is exposure to the thing that you're most afraid of until it no longer becomes scary. And then you move the boundaries and you start exposing yourself to more and more things. And I've been in this situation myself because when my marriage ended, I quit drinking and my marriage ended around the same time. Um, And so I find myself being single for the first time in 18 years. And I'll be honest with you, I was hopeless at talking to women. I just, I didn't have any confidence. I was a very successful man. I was a radio broadcaster. I was used to standing on a stage and talking to thousands of people. I think the most people I ever had in the audience with me speaking on a microphone was 60,000 people. And so I had confidence. What I didn't have was confidence talking to women. I just didn't know what to say. 
and I didn't have alcohol to fall back on because I'd quit drinking. And so the way I dealt with this was kind of extreme. I put myself in at the deep end, and I would go out on a weekend and set myself a challenge. I would say to myself, over this weekend, I'm going to approach 20 beautiful women and talk to them. Obviously, the objective was to try and get a number, try and set up a date. Now, did I want to do that? Absolutely not. It was hell on earth. And I can tell you the first weekend I did this, I remember it because it is firmly etched into my mind. Uh, I picked a weekend and I went out in London. And on the first day, on the Saturday, I was walking around Leicester Square, Trafalgar Square, and I was approaching women that I was attracted to just to compliment, just to, just to kind of get myself over that fear of approaching beautiful women. And I think I approached about 22, 23 women on that Saturday, and every single one of them rejected me. Every single one. 23 approaches, 23 rejections. And the reason I got rejected is because I think people could read my, my lack of confidence. They, they saw a really nervous, timid guy, and it was a bit freaky. You know, I was approaching people and talking to them, but I, di- I didn't believe in myself. I, I, I was terrified, and they could see it in the whites of my eyes. And I kept doing this. I kept exposing myself to the thing that I was afraid of the most until it became easy, until I was no longer afraid of it. And I wasn't just approaching women, I was approaching strangers just just to build my confidence in social interaction. And I used to do this thing called the Smiler Challenge. And I used to set my phone up with a one-hour timer and I'd give myself an hour to make 10 people smile. And I had to do this by engaging them in conversation. I couldn't just go up to people and say, smile. So Simon, I know this is kind of a long-winded answer, but I, I kind of empathize with you because I've been there and I know how you feel. Uh, and going back to alcohol to give you this kind of self, uh, this false self-confidence is not the answer. The answer to this problem that you're asking about is to build the part of your personality that is weak. And you do that by exposing yourself repeatedly, dozens of times, hundreds of times, to the thing that you're most afraid of. I hope that helps. Certainly something to think about, I hope. So, also in the podcast today, I said I wanted to talk about willpower because nearly everyone that comes to my website, stopdrinkingexpert.com, they've tried many times to moderate their drinking on their own. Nobody thinks, right, I'm going to stop drinking and then go straight to a website for help. Everyone, everyone assumes I can do this on my own. And that's why most drinkers at some point in their drinking career will have said, you know, with a lot of confidence to someone, I can stop drinking anytime I like. And they believe it. I believed it. You know, when people used to question my drinking, I'd say, hey, I haven't got a problem. I can stop anytime I like. And I really, really honestly believed that until I tried it and found I couldn't. And that's because... We always go to willpower as our first solution. We think, I want to stop drinking. 
but we don't really deal with the underlying reasons why we want to drink. We just try and strong strong arm ourselves into compliance. And let me tell you why that can't work. It's down to the way that our mind is constructed. We have two parts of our mind. We have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Now, the conscious mind is tiny and weak and ineffective and really, really close to useless. Except it's really arrogant and it thinks it's huge and vast and unstoppable. And it's that little voice that you hear in your ear all day long, you know, judging people, suggesting what you need to be happy, what you should have, what's fair, what's not fair, why your boss is an ass, why your wife's this, why your husband's that. It's that voice that's always there judging and analyzing. But the the conscious mind is so weak that it can do one or two things at a time. And that's why when you were a child, someone probably challenged you at some point to try and rub your belly and pat your head at the same time. And you found it difficult to do because you were doing it with your conscious mind. And quite frankly, it's just too complicated a task for your conscious mind to do with any real, you know, flair. That's how weak it is. It can't even do two things at the same time and get it right. So the reason we get through life is that the subconscious, which is infinitely powerful, to give you a kind of geeky computer comparison, the conscious mind processes data at around 50 bits per second, and the subconscious mind processes data at 20 million bits per second. So it's, it's the contrast I want you to focus on there, not the geeky bit talk. But your subconscious is, is always watching you. It always has been since the moment you were born. It will do until you die. And what it's looking for is patterns of behavior. It's looking for routines in your life. And when it spots a routine, something that you do all the time, it creates a program in the subconscious mind so it can take the task off your conscious mind. Because it knows that your conscious mind is weak and pathetic and useless. So it never likes to leave anything residing in the conscious mind too long because if, the, if that thing is in there, then nothing else can be done. Isn't it an absolute blessing that we don't have to consciously beat our heart? We don't have to go one, two, three, four, five all day long. There is a program in our subconscious mind that does that for us. It's very effective, very powerful, very reliable, even works while we're asleep, never stops. Equally, there is a program in our mind, a physical piece of meat in our head that controls our breathing rate, that controls our body temperature, kidney function, digestive system, everything. And while the conscious mind is doing one or two things at a time, the subconscious mind is doing millions of things at a time. Now, the subconscious has been watching you, and the chances are good that if you're a problem drinker, for many years, maybe even decades, you have been using alcohol to deal with life. And so the subconscious believes it's helped out here by creating programs to facilitate your drinking. So... You've got programs in your head that have linked alcohol to various situations that happen to you on a regular basis. Relaxation? Well, we've got a program for that. It's been built already. We can run that. Need to party? 
Well, we've got a program for that. We can just run that. No point coming up with a new solution. We've got a very good one here. It's been used repeatedly, so it must be good. Vacations. Thanksgiving. Your birthday. Christmas. All connected and linked to alcohol. And so, what happens when you wake up that morning, when you finally say enough is enough, and you say, that's it, I'm not having any more hangovers, I'm sick of the guilt and regret, I'm sick of drinking the attractively packaged poison, that's it, I'm never drinking again. When in that moment, you make that declaration to the world, you are making it with the conscious mind. And unless you remove those programs in the subconscious mind, you have a 95% chance of failure. So it doesn't matter how much you want to stop drinking. Unless you address the underlying cause for your drinking, you are going to be having an uphill battle all the time that you try and do this. And that's why people get so desperate. And when they come to me, they say, Craig, I love what you're saying. I love the idea of your program, but it probably won't work for me because I've been trying to deal with this for years. Yeah. But the truth is, you've been repeatedly turning up at a gunfight with a knife and expecting the outcome to change. You never had a hope in hell because you were not using the part of your mind that is capable of dealing with this problem. And of course, we have an issue here because we can't get access to the subconscious mind because of all those important programs running in there. Quite frankly, we can't be trusted to lift the hood on the part of our mind that beats our heart and controls our breathing. We would be dead in less than a second. And so we're locked out. There's a gatekeeper. But in my stop drinking method, in my course, that's helped over 50,000 people to quit drinking, I use a little secret back door into the subconscious mind. And I've created this system on three levels. Firstly, because I'm an ex-problem drinker. I used to have a very severe drinking problem. But I'm also a master hypnotist. And I'm also a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. So I understand how the human mind works very well. I understand how us human beings are motivated to do things, to achieve things. How we'll do anything to avoid pain And then we'll use the carrot side of things by trying to achieve pleasure. These are our two primary motivating factors. So I understand what's going on in our head. And I understand why the traditional approaches using willpower don't work. And it really is shocking that this this approach is so ineffective. It's so poor. It's so bad. And yet, it's the go-to solution. You know, you tell someone you've got a drinking problem... And they'll say, oh, we'll go to AA. Go to Alcoholics Anonymous. But I'm telling you here and now, Alcoholics Anonymous is 100% willpower. They will tell you, you are broken. You are an alcoholic and you always will be. And you must spend the rest of your life being a good boy or a good girl and avoiding the thing that you want most on planet Earth. And that, my friends, is not a cure. That is hell on Earth. Prescription medication needs willpower because most medication for alcohol problems does one of two things. It either renders the drug ineffective 
on your dopamine and serotonin levels so that you don't feel that buzz, or it makes you physically violently ill as a result of drinking alcohol. So you have to have the willpower to take a tablet that's going to ruin the things that, that you love the most on planet Earth. Doesn't work. Most people eventually end up stop taking the tablets or giving themselves weekends off or, ah, well, you know, I did well last month, I'll take this month off. And before you know it, they just stop taking the tablets. It's pointless. Rehab works great while you're in there paying $1,000 a day. And then you get out. I had a lady um, speak to me a few months ago. She just spent $35,000 on rehab. And the very night that she got out, her husband poured her a glass of wine. And she drank it. And she went straight back into the loop that she was in just before she went into rehab. And you might think, well, her husband's evil. He obviously doesn't love her. How could he do that to her? That's disgusting. And it is and it isn't. You know, drinkers panic when their drinking buddies stop drinking because it highlights something that they don't want to deal with. It brings pain into their subconscious. And as we know, we'll do pretty much anything to get away from pain. Now, of course, the, the most laudable thing to do, the most logical thing to do would be to also stop drinking. But often it's easier to make someone else return to drinking than it is to deal with our own problems. So think about the times that you've tried to stop in the past. It doesn't matter whether you're sober now or whether you, you're still trying to quit. Think about the times and how have you done it? Have you tried to moderate? Have you come up with silly rules around your drinking? Have you used medication? Have you used rehab or gone to AA? Well, I'm here to tell you today that all these approaches had a 95% chance of failure. If you're interested in finding out the kind of weird and unusual way that I deal with this problem, because it is unusual, you do need to do something a little bit weird, then why don't you go and register for the free Quit Drinking webinar that is coming up later on this week, www.stopdrinkingexpert.com, and I will talk you through my approach to problem drinking and explain to you just why it's so powerfully effective. And it really has helped so many people to completely transform their lives. I'm exceptionally proud of it. I'm very, very passionate about it. And I just I just love helping people like this. So I think uh, we're going to wrap up episode three of the podcast. Uh, when we do episode four, we'll be entirely over to you. Uh, when I get enough questions in the inbox, we'll fire off another one and we'll, we'll do another episode. So if you would like me to deal with a question or talk about something specific around alcohol addiction or living a happy, sober life, then email me. Craig at craigbeck.com is the email address. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and I will see you very soon. Very soon.